Hello, Tyndale community. It is an honor to be asked to share a reflection of one of my favorite Psalms with you by way of this chapel podcast. I've entitled my reflection, Knowing Proceeds Trusting, which is a reflection on Psalm 9, verses 9 to 10. The key message from this Psalm is that we can only learn to trust God through our experiential knowledge of God. I like to think of the message from these two verses found in the middle of this 20-verse psalm of praise by King David as giving us three core relationship facts and principles on which a trusting and thriving relationship between God and his government people is built. These three relationship principles have been central to my personal understanding and spiritual journey for decades. Each part of these principles have served to comfort me, increase my faith in God, and challenge me to an ever-increasing transformational knowledge of God and of myself. Psalm 9 begins from verses 1 to 8 and ends from verses 11 to 20 with the psalmist offering praise and thanksgiving to God as he reflects on the various ways God has protected him from his enemies and caused his judgment to fall on nations and individuals because of their oppression and wickedness for which they have not repented. And in the midst of this reflective discourse, David pauses and asserts three riveting truths and relationship principles which undergird the life of faith between God and his covenant people. David declares, the Lord also will be a refuge and a stronghold for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble, and those who know your name, who have experienced your precious mercy, will put their confident trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not abandoned those who seek you. Psalm 9, 9-10 reading from the Amplified Virgin. The psalmist makes three captivating assertions in these two verses. The first assertion is that the psalmist declares who God is. That's verse 9. This declaration is a fact of the nature of God, irrespective of human understanding of it, belief in it, or acceptance of it. It says, God is a refuge and a stronghold for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble, verse 9. This fact remains unchangeable and unconditional. The second assertion the psalmist made is an affirmation of the trustworthy relational nature and character of God. That is also a fact of God's unwavering commitment and fidelity in his relationship with his covenant people. This fact is also not dependent on human understanding of it, belief in it, or acceptance of it. God does not abandon those who seek him. Verse 10b. These two facts, A, God being our refuge, and B, his commitment to not abandoning those who seek him, are self-evident truths, whether or not human beings acknowledge, accept, or believe these truths. 
God offers himself to us as such. The third assertion, however, is different. It calls us human beings to the sobering responsibility of choosing whether to trust God, to be a personal refuge, and to experience his faithfulness. This third declaration makes it clear that in order to be able to trust God, we must first come to know God or know his name. The Amplified Translation from which I have read this text gives us hints that this idea of knowing God goes beyond a mere informational knowledge about God. It suggests that God that suggests that knowing of God is through relationship knowledge of who God is. The verse says, and those who know your name, who have experienced your precious mercy, will put their confident trust in you. Verse 10a, the Amplified Virgin. Our willingness to develop a trusting relationship with God through an experiential knowing, not about, but of God, is what determines if we will then experience God as our refuge and the one who does not abandon us when we seek him. My reflection on what it means to develop this critical experiential knowledge of God, which must precede our ability to trust God, brings me to the ancient theological principle which holds that the dynamic of coming to this experiential knowing of God involves experiencing a corresponding increased knowledge of one's self. This is a fundamental biblical and Christian spiritual understanding which is illustrated throughout the Bible and held by early church fathers and Christian theologians for centuries. This understanding, however, has not been strongly carried forward into our contemporary Western evangelical understanding of the spiritual life. This is largely due to our approach to knowledge as an objective cognitive acquisition of information. When this purely objective approach to knowledge is applied to our knowing of God, ourselves and others, we lose the relational dimensions and inter an interactional dynamic inherent in the process of coming to an authentic understanding and conscious awareness of who God is and of who we are. Therefore, to truly know God's name as prerequisite to putting our trust in God, verse 10b tells us, we must go back to this foundational understanding of knowing as a relational knowing of God and self, which involves a dynamic cooperating relational process. In his contemplation and experience of this dynamic process, Thomas Merton, 20th century theologian, echoes many examples of this process which can be seen in scripture and has been articulated by St. Augustine, John Calvin, and others when he states, therefore, there is only one problem on which all my existence, my peace, and my happiness depend, to discover myself in discovering God. If I find him, I will find myself, and if I find my true self, I will find him. Merton, 1961, page 38. Scriptures filled with examples of life-altering, transforming faith or trust in God 
that comes through this relational cooperative process of knowing God through knowing self and of knowing self through knowing God. In each of these biblical examples, as one encounters the Spirit-revealed knowledge of God's love, mercy, and grace, the Spirit also brings that person to a vivid knowledge of his or her brokenness, sinfulness, and desperate need of God's mercy, forgiveness, and liberation. When the Spirit-led knowledge of God and of self leads one to repentance and surrender to God, this person then becomes this person then comes to an experiential knowing of God, which directly leads to increased faith and trust in God as a profoundly personal and relational level. Psalms 9:10a. This knowledge of God and self goes beyond an objective cognitive acquisition of information about God or self. Let us now look at a few examples of this relational and cooperative knowing of God and self from a few biblical characters. The first we look at is King David. As recorded in Samuel, in 2 Samuel 11 to 12, and also reflected in Psalm 51, through the prophet Nathan, God revealed himself to King David and brought David to a vivid knowledge of his sinfulness and wickedness from his acts of adultery with Bathsheba and murder of her husband Uriah. David repented, turned to God, and trusted God's mercy, forgiveness, and deliverance. Next, we see the prophet Isaiah, as recorded in Isaiah 6, verses 1 to 8. When God revealed his glory and majesty to Isaiah, and he became woefully aware of his uncleanness and that of his people, when he then turned to God in acknowledgement of his sinful state and repentance, God cleansed him and he faithfully accepted the call as a prophet of God. The third scriptural example is that of Saul, who became Paul, as recorded in Acts 6, and also reflected in Philippians 3 and also in Romans 6. As Jesus revealed himself to Saul on the Damascus road, he became acutely aware of his own deceptions, depravity, worthlessness, and weakness. In his repentance and surrender to Jesus, his faith, confidence, and trust in God skyrocketed and he, now Paul, devoted himself to God and became one of the greatest apostles of the gospel of Christ. Other examples include Moses, Exodus 4, verses 1 to 17, Mary, the mother of Jesus, in Luke 1, verses 26 to 38, the woman with the issue of blood, as recorded in Mark 5, verses 25 to 34, and many others. In encountering the revealed God, each one of these persons also came to an increased knowledge of himself or herself. This relational knowledge of God and self led them to deeper trust in God. The central role this dynamic, relational, and cooperative process of knowing God and self plays as a prerequisite to developing one's trust in God is further illuminated by other biblical characters who, unlike David, Paul, Isaiah, and others, 
refuse to acknowledge and accept and surrender their knowledge of themselves to God. Instead of taking responsibility for their sins, trust God and cooperate in God's offer to be their refuge, these individuals either blamed others, denied the truth of who they are, or walked away from a trusting relationship with God. Two examples of these are King Saul, 1 Samuel 15, verses 10 to 23, and the rich young ruler, as uh, recorded in Matthew 19, verses 16 to 22, and also in Mark 10, verses 17 to 22. In each of these examples, they had not encountered knowledge of self or accepted knowledge of self, and therefore did not accept God's knowledge, nor developed a trusting relationship with God. At age 13, I knew as many things about God as would be expected from a child who grew up in church. Up to this age, my life consisted of church, school, home, and play. Most of the Bible stories and lessons I learned as a child in Sunday school are etched in my memory. These, however, were only objective cognitive information about God, much like I had from my literacy, mathematics, or other academic learnings in school. My knowledge about God was not through the process of a dynamic, cooperative, and experiential relationship with God. My knowledge about God did not coincide with a deeper awareness of myself. Therefore, it did not lead me to develop personal faith and trust in God. This all changed a few weeks before my 14th birthday, when God revealed himself to me as a God of love, mercy, and grace. I can still vividly remember that when the Spirit opened my eyes and heart to invite me into a personal relationship with the God I had only known cognitively about, I was overwhelmed by an acute awareness of my utter sinfulness and helplessness. It was through this experiential encounter with both the knowledge of God and of myself that I first came to trust God as my refuge and the stronghold of my life. Over the ensuing decades, I have had many other transformational encounters in which God has brought me to greater faith and trust in him through an increased awareness of who he is and a corresponding revelation of specific aspects of who I am. Psalm 9 verses 9 to 10 has become a blueprint on my spiritual journey as I continue to learn to trust God more as he calls me to deeper experiential knowledge of who he is and of my own weakness, sins, and need of him. In our present approach to the Christian spiritual life, we can contentedly ascribe to an objective cognitive knowledge of God and who he declares himself to be. Psalm 9, verse 9 and 10b. However, to truly be able to confidently develop our trust in God requires that we have a deeper experiential knowledge of God through the dynamic, relational, and cooperative process of knowing God and self as the Spirit reveals both to us. We can see through the examples from the Bible that God uses various means to reveal himself 
and ourselves to us. He uses prophets, angels, life circumstances, and so forth. Now, over the past 15 to 20 months, COVID-19 pandemic, George Floyd's murder, and the most recent discoveries of unmarked graves of indigenous children of former residential schools have all revealed to us many previously ignored, repressed, normalized brokenness and sins and oppression. As we seek to know God experientially through grappling with what these events have revealed to us about ourselves personally, as an institution like Tyndale University, as a Christian community, as a society, and as a nation, I trust that Psalm 9, verses 9 to 10, will serve as a guide to help us, like David, Isaiah, Saul, King Paul, and many others, acknowledge our failures, sins, and wickedness, and turn in repentance to God, who declares that he also will be a refuge and a stronghold for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Psalm 9, verse 9. Let us pray. O Lord, grant that we will hear your voice clearly in the circumstances of our own contextual realities and turn in faith to you as we bring our broken selves to you in complete trust and faith so that we can experience your redemptive love and your deliverance from the various bondages of sin into a thriving and trusting relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.